Welcome to another episode in the DLAI Fintech Conclave 2023 podcast series brought to you by the Digital Lenders Association of India and India Fintech Diaries. In today's episode, we attempt to demystify integrated finance and its implications for the fintech ecosystem. And to help us do this, we're joined by Anurag Jain, founder and executive director at Credex, India's leading cash flow solutions provider to large corporates and SMEs. An IIT Kanpur alumnus and a techie turned entrepreneur with 18 plus years of experience in the financial services sector, he has had vast experience in driving business growth in companies like HSBC, Oracle, and Tavern Technologies before co founding Credex in 2015. A seasoned finance professional, Anurag is passionate about solving complex issues and disrupting the status quo in the supply chain finance ecosystem in India. He has also been involved in policy advocacy for the fintech lending ecosystem and is a founding member of DLAI. I am your host, Elroy Sarao, and this is India Fintech Diaries. Welcome back to India Fintech Diaries, the show where we discuss all things India Fintech. We have kicked off this year with a very special series in partnership with Digital Lenders Association of India, and we are thoroughly enjoying speaking to the amazing guests from DLAI. And continuing in that series today, we will touch upon the topic of integrated or embedded finance. And to tell, help us demystify it, we have with us Anurag Jain, founder and executive director at Credex. Welcome to the show, Anurag. Thanks, Emant. It's a pleasure to be here. Anurag, you are really well known in the industry, but still it would be good if you could provide a quick introduction of yourself and the story behind how Credex happened. So basically, uh, when you talk about Credex, uh, when we started conceptualizing Credex, there were two two aspects to it or two sides to it. On one side, uh, if you look at a country like India, which is growing at a 6% plus GDP growth rate on a continuous basis for the last couple of years, you know, there is definitely a big demand for credit. Right. You know, if, if the mm-hmm. businesses are growing, you know, at a rapid pace, the consumption is going up and you know, the, the businesses are scaling up revenues on an yearly basis. There is a lot of demand for credit on one side. On the other side, if you look at it, you know, India has been one of the countries with the largest, uh, you know, the highest savings rate. So there's a lot of money stashed in, you know, savings instruments and in low yielding, you know, fixed deposits and other instruments which are not even beating the inflation, uh, for example. So when we conceptualize the company, right, the idea was to connect these two sides and uh, being able to create a trusted bridge that is able to move money from one side to the other so that A, we are able to give an asset class which basically gives above average returns to the investors. And on the other mm-hmm. side, uh, we are able to provide those funds to the businesses or you know SMEs who are basically credit starved and are not being able to you know uh, access funds through the mainstream economy. So that is how we started, and uh, bill discounting uh, you know came out as the first product that uh, you know we thought we could uh, sort of start with because obviously mm-hmm. you know even in today's uh, commercial clusters across india if you look at you know delhi mumbai bangalore and chennai for example in in most of the commercial clusters you know bill discounting happens and has been happening for the last couple of decades so i think that was uh, the the first thing that we wanted to start and be able to move the money from one side to the other and solving the problems at both the sides so that's how we started uh, with credex and uh, 
our flagship product has been invoice discounting which is where okay. uh, we are basically helping the SMEs get access to working capital and uh, you know through a network of investors on the other side who are basically coming on the platform and buying and buying these invoices you know and funding uh, the working capital for the SMEs so that's in a nutshell uh, what we're doing at credix and anurag in the past few years there has been a lot of conversation around embedded finance and that's the space that you also play in one industry reports i was just reading uh, puts the embedded finance revenue positive at about 21 billion dollars by 2029 so what exactly is this integrated or embedded finance and how big is this opportunity in india so embedded uh, you know as a, as the word suggests embedded means to fix something you know firmly and deeply into something else right so embedded finance mm-hmm. essentially means to fix financial services of finance into any customer journey product or any of the workflows that the companies have so you know if you go by the definition right embedded finance is basically a concept that allows non financial entities to integrate financial entities into their customer journeys right the way they do this is through the use of apis which are basically the application programming interfaces and mm-hmm. they are essentially software intermediaries that allow two applications to talk to each other in a layman's language if i have to explain embedded finance let's say for example we take case of an e-commerce company for example or maybe a a travel you know website so let's say you right. go to a travel website you book a ticket today and mm-hmm. in the same journey when you are booking the ticket you also maybe want insurance or travel insurance uh, for that journey so you know that insurance is embedded into the same journey you don't have to come out of the the journey and you know buy the ticket separately and then take that ticket number to another website or another portal and key in those details and then buy an insurance right but you can Go do ahead. it in the same flow and be able to at the end of it come up with both these services you know bundled together in one shot so this this one example e-commerce is another example so let's say today you you're buying a product online right and at the end of it right. uh, you, know, you know you have to do the payment you have to make the payments right mm-hmm. so for that you are taken to a separate widget or a separate you know encapsulated uh, application which is there as a part of the workflow and you right. access it you make the payment and you come out of it and again you are in the same flow and you you know you you buy the product and you are able to also make the payment for it so embedding the finance capsule or encapsulated module into the workflow right is basically mm-hmm. you know embedded finance and if you come to think of it this is not totally new concept per se but i think the way it has been uh, sort of intertwined with the original workflow and right. has made the entire journey so seamless i think that is what is enabling the consumption or the usage of uh, this this concept across the globe understood so basically if you look down the history at some point uh say if i wanted to purchase something my entire activity was focused on purchasing or maybe getting value out of what i am doing hmm. at some point it get divided into me purchasing that thing and the finance related to that activity which could be maybe i need money for buying it so i need a loan so i completely go on a different branch in case of physical world but in case of online world i go to a different app first apply take the money come back and do it So what you're saying is now those two journeys get embedded, and you actually have the core journey that the customer wants, which is making that purchase, which he's going to use in his normal life. So that becomes Correct. one single journey. Correct. 
so embedding can be done for non financial uh, you know uh, services as well so let's say for example today you know you are you know running through a workflow wherein you are right. ver- verifying a particular invoice right so let's mm-hmm. say you you as a business raise an invoice to a buyer and that buyer has to verify that invoice whether it is you know genuine and unpaid so while right. that you know you can also embed that workflow through an application into the entire customer journey that is not financial that you're not basically dealing with any financial service over there so that doesn't right. form a part of the embedded finance per se but yeah i mean it is again a form of embedding uh, any kind of services into the work and when you talk about finance it can be anything it can be payments it can be lending it can be insurance it can be investments i mean off late in the last couple of years you've seen embedded crypto as well right i mean you can right. you, know, you can get into an application and you can pay through bitcoin for example right so you know there are a lot of interesting use cases that are coming up which are basically you know enlarging the scope of uh, the entire embedded finance industry when i hear about this anurag i can't help but think that this could unlock a massive value as far as driving the indian gdp itself is concerned so when you think about this space what are these big value pools that you are most excited about or you think about when you think about embedded finance you know before we talk about this one of the things that we should try and understand is what are the benefits of embedded finance i mean why has it taken up uh, such a, you know such a scale you know in the last couple of years and you know has has reached a certain level where you know it's you know raring to go even higher right. so some of the benefits if you look at uh, are for the for the companies is it increases the competitiveness of your product so let's say today for example if we'll talk about a travel website right there are certain websites who are providing insurance on your travel uh, ticket right wherein if for whatever reason your travel gets cancelled or postponed you get back the entire amount you know the fact that there is a possibility of getting back the entire amount which has been you know a rarity uh, you know maybe a couple of uh, years back you know drives people to that website drives people mm-hmm. to that company because there now there's an option for you to be able to pay maybe you know a couple of bucks extra and be able to get that security so right. you know some of the other uh, competitors are getting impacted because of it you know so the customers are getting driven to your product so that is kind of increasing the stickiness of your product now when that starts happening right it starts increasing your conversion rate right right and subsequently your revenue so you know it's creates a very uh, uh, an exponential impact on the revenue of a company right mm. and then you know there are other secondary benefits for example i mean when you are providing let's say an insurance or a lending product or any other product uh, you know by by embedding it into the workflow you are able to get a lot of other customer data for example i mean you know uh, when you when you talk about an insurance maybe you take the name of the nominee their phone number your dependent details your uh, your residence details and so on and so forth so when you start getting some of those details you can you can start orchestrating you know it into your analytics and be able to derive a lot of insights about the consumer which further creates stickiness and you know gives you that advantage to be able to maybe cross sell or maybe able to take benefit of that customer in the longer run so when you talk about these uh, 
benefits that accrue out of mm-hmm. embedded finance you know they start creating a very exponential impact and and, and when, when you talked about the numbers and close to 21 billion dollars uh, of impact i think there there was a report uh, you know in forbes mm-hmm. as per that report uh, this number is expected to go tenfold in wow. the next 10 years and largely a large part of it is still payments because uh, you know that's how traditionally the you know the embedded finance started but i think right. use cases like insurance for example today uh, when you go to uh, you know irctc and book a train ticket over there right you know right. there is an option to get an insurance you know without coming out of the journey mm-hmm. right when you when you book when you go to a shared mobility app for example right and in in cases where you're going to an airport right there is an insurance that is available in case you miss your flight so right. some of those use cases are also becoming prominent now and people are you know accepting and utilizing some of these use cases to make their life easier and better so there will definitely be a very very transformational impact and as and when some of these uh, you know verticals converge i think the the net impact will lead to the creation of a lot of value in the longer term so it's very difficult to quantify at this stage because uh, mm-hmm. you know there are a lot of use cases are still to see the light of the day but uh, i think it will it will definitely have a very big uh, impact in the longer run and with some of the use cases that you're most excited about after payments uh, i think mm-hmm. lending is uh, one of the yeah, i think so. correct piece mm-hmm. uh, and uh, i don't know whether you've read the report of the working group on digital lending uh, they actually yeah, did, talk mm-hmm. uh, the concept of embedded credit uh, you know which is obviously slowly gaining traction and uh, <laughs> you know there is uh, as they identified that there's a need for regulatory attention over there so Correct. one classic example would be bnpl right mm-hmm. so we've seen uh, sporadic Uh, growth in the bnpl industry in the last couple of years now again i mean we have talked about the you know the the benefits of uh, embedded uh, you know finance uh, but if you look at uh, bnpl as a specific case today i'll give you one uh, classic example so mm-hmm. look at corporates the the value chain that they have where they are making payments to their distributors right so in case the corporates are able to secure credit for their distributors there is a probability that those distributors are able to survive the cash flow crisis that they face on a regular basis b there is also an increase in revenue that happens subsequently you know following the uh, the credit that these distributors are able to get from the market right mm-hmm. so basically talking about the b2b use case right where you're talking exactly. about distributors who are able to secure that credit and is able to buy from the corporate increasing the sales corporate as well as ensuring that they have sufficient time for them to be able to sell the product or services that they have got from the corporate right so when you talk about uh, embedded credit i think bnpl has been uh, a very very you know strong use case in the last couple of years with a lot of companies across the globe uh, sort of becoming you know billion dollar companies and 
taking this concept to the next level i think uh, there are different uh, use cases on the b2c side as well which uh, bnpl has successfully solved uh, and one classic example has been uh, providing credit for purchase of white goods for example you know la- you know phones laptops and you know other goods that they are buying on e-commerce uh, websites so i think embedded credit i would rank it as the as the next big uh, opportunity and anurag if you think of there are multiple participants involved in the entire value chain right so what are the different capabilities that these different participants in the embedded finance journey need to have to really make use of this opportunity so before talking about the eligibility maybe uh, i can spend some time on you know identifying who are the participants in an embedded finance journey yeah. right so yeah. typically there are majorly three but uh, if you you know include the end consumer there are essentially four participants uh, you know if you look at the embedded finance journey mm-hmm. and these are embedders enablers and providers so okay and we will pick it up one by one so providers are essentially the balance sheet uh, you know providers in the entire value chain so these are the banks financial institutions who are basically providing regulated financial products you know in the entire value chain these are the guys who are actually booking the loans or booking the insurance then you have the enablers who are you know the intermediaries and this is where the you know the fintechs and the big techs or the tech fins come into picture and these are the guys these are the entities who are providing applications to link embedders and providers the third one uh, is the embedders so embedders are actually the brands who embed these financial services in their customer experience so if you look at the entire value chain you have the embedder who's who's actually embedded that financial service as a widget or you know as a application or a tool inside their uh, customer workflow and when mm-hmm. the customer is in 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 that journey when the customer is accessing that widget through these enablers they are able to access the services which are provided by the providers so while i mean it's it's pretty simple to be able to draw this you know diagrammatically but if you if you look at the roles and responsibilities of you know some of these participants over mm-hmm. the last couple of years what we have seen is that the responsibilities you know have been overlapping right in some cases the provider also acts as enabler right in in other cases we also see provider acting as both enabler as well as embedder so mm-hmm. there's no uh, fixed role i mean especially when you talk about the providers they have the uh, the regulatory you know uh, wherewithal to be able to act also as an enabler as well as embedder so at times right. they they create these overlapping responsibilities in the value chain and be able to play a bigger role because at the end of it i mean when you talk about the revenue share right the majority of revenue from embedded finance lending products right comes to the balance sheet provider so just one mm-hmm. uh, figure you know if you look at it in 2021 in united states out of the 14 billion that came as a revenue you know for these embedded finance providers 55% mm. 55% of it went to the balance sheet provider so i think they they have the heft they basically control the entire uh, sort of you know journey and gets a lion share of the revenue that is coming out of it and and 
largely so because they are the ones who are bearing the risk of credit default as well but having right. said that i think you know in, in in different cases they have been playing different roles and overlapping roles with the you know as as an enabler as and as an embedder as well so you know in terms of the eligibility i would say the providers are the guys who are the ones who are regulatory compliant who who, have, who hold the licenses from the regulators so these can be banks these can be nbfcs or you know other regulated entities who are there mm-hmm. enablers uh, uh, you know of late uh, there has been a term you know being used for the enablers who are there you know as an intermediary who mm. who are not actually holding the you know the lending license but they are the ones who are providing applications linking the embedders and the providers and you know they are the the the, the, the LSPs or the loan service yeah. providers basically mm. guys who are who are essentially creating uh, you know interconnecting both the embedders as well as the providers then you have the embedders who can be actually brands or who can also be fintechs who are basically providing maybe a different kind of services so i'll give you an example uh, let's say an accounting software cloud based accounting software provider today wants to expand or provide bill discounting services to the businesses who are using their accounting software in this case the embedder will be the company who's providing the uh, accounting software the enabler would be the company who's providing those bill discounting services and the provider would be the guy or the entity sitting at the back end who's providing you the capital to be able to facilitate the credit which is involved in the entire transaction right. so that's how you have an entire stack of embedders enablers and providers and at the end of it you also you have you know the end users who are the ultimate consumers of integrated uh, product offerings and you you can have multiple use cases across uh, you know whether it is bnpl lending insurance investing payment and so on and so forth you know as the ecosystem evolves we continue to see new and new use cases coming up uh, on the embedded finance side and uh, anurag there is a lot of digital public goods being created which looks like is going to support this journey as well you have the account aggregator you have the open credit enablement network which is also called oken and you also have the open network for digital commerce which is ondc so in your opinion what is the impact digital public goods like these are going to have on the embedded finance space you know they they are helping structure the overall uh, constitution for embedded finance because uh, you know some of these uh, you know models have actually you know helped create those tech stacks like for example india stack right mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know it, it has been able to create that tech stack on which there are so many applications have been built today which do not have to reinvent the wheel right i mean when you talk about right. let's say ekyc you talk about uh, you know presence less uh, you know paperless uh, kind of experiences that are being given right so right. all of these are there because of uh, some of these models that have come in and uh, you know all the newer models are being developed on these underlying uh, models which are already there in the market oken is another uh, example as you said open credit enablement uh, network where you're talking about a network where the providers the enablers and uh, the embedders all are you know working together to be able to create an ecosystem 
see one of the mm. biggest uh, problem that comes in when you talk about a big network where you know you have multiple participants coming together and you know facilitating transactions and services for each other is the effort to get them onboarded because you know there are multiple incentives required for example i mean everybody starts questioning as to why should they come to a, you know the bigger network who's getting benefited what will be the the standard norms over there whether it will fit with their existing you know compliance or not so there are a lot of other things that become a problem but when you have these standardized set of apis it's very easy to uh, actually connect and integrate these providers with the enablers as well as embedders and create that seamless uh, transaction uh, network and once you have those standard set of apis or a common language for the lenders and the you know the marketplace it becomes easier for the products also to scale in in reach a certain level because let's say today when you talk about a lender right and a fintech company so for every lender you have a different set of apis that you have to integrate with and that's a very right. very time consuming and you know in uh, in a futile uh, exercise uh, for most of the fintechs as well as banks so if you have mm. a common platforms like you know oken or you, know, you talked about ondc you know some of these common platforms it becomes far easier and more predictable for some of these players to come in and i think indian ecosystem has learned from its experiences right so it's not that uh, some of these uh, you know paradigms or some of these uh, models came in one go i think there's a lot of uh, trial and error and you know that has gone into it to be able to learn from that experience and come up with some of these new models that are now defining Absolutely. the entire ecosystem true, true true so anurag as a parting thought what are the two or three most uh, top of the mind things that you think the policy makers can do to really support the embedded finance journey a bit more or really help everyone make the most out of this opportunity i think this is something uh, i really feel uh, for the indian ecosystem is that the pace at which uh, the innovation is moving right mm-hmm. uh, it's very difficult to actually uh, you know regulate at the same pace i mean it's like a country you know bursting on scenes and then you are <laughs> you know preparing an infrastructure yeah, yeah. for that con- uh, for that uh, city you know in in a similar way when you talk about uh, some of these concepts uh, you know on the embedded finance side it's not just india right i think Uh, you know regulation uh, has been a challenge across the globe i think the regulators are also sort of evolving you know in addressing some of these newer uh, you know concepts and uh, right. i think it's it's you know everybody is learning together so mm-hmm. it'll it'll maybe take some time <laughs> for uh, you know both the sides to you know evolve and be able to reach a stage where you know there is a significant chunk that can be regulated so you know before you even regulate it you also need to understand what needs to be regulated and you know it has Correct. to you know make sense from uh, in overall perspective so i think it will uh, continue to evolve mm-hmm. so while uh, in india there's no specific set of legislations uh, you know for the you know the fintech market uh, per se but i think some of the initiatives uh, from the regulator side in terms of the you know the fintech vertical that has come up you know in terms of uh, the digital lending guidelines that have come in from the regulator i think these are some of the things that are setting the highway for the industry that you know while 
you know you have to reach a certain destination you have to use this highway you can't get out of the highway right so yeah. i think you know there are these broader uh, guardrails uh, which are being created which will help industry to move in the right direction amazing anurag thanks a ton for joining us today it was really a pleasure hosting you on the show sure thanks himant uh, it was a pleasure talking to you so anurag uh, if our listeners want to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that so i'm available on linkedin uh, they can reach out to me at anurag@credix.com and so, uh, i'll be more than happy to connect uh, with anybody excellent so anurag will include those details in our show notes that's it from india fintech diaries this week stay tuned as we speak to more amazing folks from dlai and give you a summary of what happened at the recent dlai fintech conclave 2023 in our upcoming episodes and until next time stay safe